Hello, Shmovie listeners. This is John with a quick note. If when you're listening to this episode, you find yourself thinking this doesn't sound as good as usual, that is not your imagination. I guess I was so excited when I set up the microphones that in my haste I made a couple of mistakes, a couple of stupid mistakes. But because of that, uh, some of the audio tracks that we recorded were not usable. Now, I was able to salvage the episode, but the audio you're going to hear is not just not as crisp as we usually offer. Uh, it's going to have that sound of being recorded inside a tin can. In other words, the way 90% of all podcasts sound anyway. So, ooh, burn. I think you'll get used to it. It's good content. I really like the episode. So uh, hopefully it won't ruin your enjoyment. Now on with the show. Mm -hmm, very. All right. <clears throat> I have to see all the things that I was. Well, I haven't even watched that. Look well, how we say, "Are we ready?" And everyone says yes, and then Ronald immediately starts muttering to himself. Okay. I think. Let me get my at. Let are we going to talk? Are some we talk bullshit about that I have to cut off right at the beginning of the episode. Shows as well that we've seen as well. Like no. Things that are I just think we're movies. sticking. We're back to movies. Okay. All right. It's all episode right. one fourteen, Ronald. We're back to movies. I'm ready. See I'm the way ready. I worked that in naturally. So smooth. So smooth. But uh, we'll do TV movie again someday. Don't worry. Sounds good. I actually haven't watched as many things as I thought. I haven't seen as many movies as I normally would have seen if we were on the weekly schedule for this. Yeah. I used to, I used to make a point. I saw yeah. a lot more like yeah. last minute late showings, but now I'm kind of just letting things filter in. So. So it'll be interesting to see what... I know you've seen a few things that are new. Yeah, a couple. Coming, Steve. A couple, yeah. But it has been a while since we've sat down and... Yeah. I was going to say broken bread together. We haven't broken bread tonight, but we did watch Ronald wolf down a crepe. A, a crepe. A crepe. <laughs> it was delicious. It was... Did you notice he didn't offer us any of it? Oh, man. At all. I think he was about to, but then once he took a bite, it was on. And, and I think he got go, farther down. I don't and share he, wet food. Yeah. And he Every found that... You know what? That's, that's wet foods are weird to share. Wet food? Yeah, man. Anything yeah. that's like moist is hard to. Ooh, what a bad word. Because it can't. Shouldn't, like share, shouldn't share anything that's moist. Because you yeah. don't know where that moisture, that particular if moisture yeah, came yeah. from. It could be or, 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 yeah. A sandwich, I could just break you off a piece, but a, a crepe. Yeah. A crepe. A crepe. <laughs> but it was the apple crisp, you said? Yeah, apple crisp crepe. Apple crisp crepe. Apple crisp crepe. Incredible. Sophie's crepes. So if you local. live here in Baltimore, which there's a decent chance, I yeah. guess, if you're listening to us. I think all three of you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, there's one listener that lives in Houston. And we oh, have a UK yes. listener as well. Yes. So. And I think oh. a couple in Alabama. So. They probably have better crepes over in yeah. Yeah. Over that side of the pond. I you think? think so. I don't think the food in England is known for... Yeah, I've heard But I feel bad. like, isn't that like a... Isn't that like a European or French or something? That's like a European Well, thing, crepe right? is a French, French thing, thing yeah. right. Well, maybe he's been there. Can't you tell? I'm, I'm assuming got, he's uh, been there. It's got that annoying pronunciation going for yeah. it. Where... I have that picture of everybody. Like, if you're in Europe, you've probably been to France. Yeah. It's just how I see it. So I'm going to assume that our one UK listener or English or uh, European listener has been to France and had an authentic crap. crap. They know they know of what they speak when they say yeah. crap. Has exactly. an authentic crap. 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 <laughs> crap. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it like John said I'm supposed to say it. I think that's how you're supposed crap. to say it. But I think, as I was saying before we started recording, yeah. crap is one of those words where if you say it right, you sound like a dick. So yeah. you may as well just say crepe. I'm not gonna lie, I feel like a dick right now. I know. I feel like Ronald's judging the shit. I want to hit like, the reset button on this whole. It's <laughs> one of those words where if crepe. you had like a get together and you're walking away and yeah. you're with your your significant other, they're like, man, John was really cool. 
But what the fuck was up with him? Why did he suddenly become French when he said crap? Yeah. Well, it's like newscasters when they say like a, a Latin name oh, or I whatever think, yes. the way that, or a, you know, a Spanish name the way they suddenly become yeah. uh, Hispanic, you know. <laughs> yeah. Ramon. Ramon. <laughs> By the way. Ramon. It's not that I came up uh, with a, a stereotypical name, but the name I came up with was Ramon España. <laughs> That's like Ronnie Spain, <laughs> Johnny American. Oh man! Well, I'm John. I'm Ron. Steve. And welcome to Movie Shmovie. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. There is stomping up up above, but my wife is here to, to at least pretend to control oh, the yeah. child. So I think she's got it. That's all you gotta do. <laughs> so we're gonna just kind of catch up. I mean, yeah. we do this all the time now because we haven't seen each other mm-hmm. as often as we mm-hmm. used to. So mm-hmm. it's a good opportunity mm-hmm. just to. What have you seen? Any wrap-up thoughts for June as a month? Did everybody see their pick? Oh, man. man. I don't even remember what my pick Yeah, are. I was like, good question, John. What was <laughs> my sure pick? I think we both Jump picked Street. How to Train Your Dragon 2. I think we both picked that for June. I think I picked 22 Jump Street. I, I might think. be wrong. Maybe. There's always a chance I could be wrong, guys. I just wanted to finally admit that. <laughs> no. no. After all this time. That's not the case. But if that's the case, then well picked. Because that was a great movie. I'm trying to, I'm trying to see if I... <laughs> can find it but obviously i can't yeah I, I i know i know the movie coming out of june that i couldn't believe was as good as it was was edge of tomorrow mm-hmm. i think I that's the last thing i saw um, which is which is what I, I i finally saw that and i loved it i still haven't seen it <clears throat> but um which it's been kind of it's doing okay but it's like for what it was what was it what it was intended or thought to be it has not been much of a success Right. Did anyone see Transformers? No, I have not. I cannot. Does anyone have any interest in Transformers? No, I, I do. don't either. Oh, I you do. do. You do. I do have. A, I do have an interest in seeing it. Is it? Is it? I know you like Michael Bay. Uh, do you think of Transformers movies? I mean, I know they, this is a silly question, but is it outside of just being into seeing whatever kind of spectacle Michael Bay is putting together, or are you also bought into the Transformers franchise as like characters you like to follow and an interest in seeing where they take it? I, it's definitely both. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't love him I, or love Michael Bay's films overall, but I definitely see most of them, if not all of them. Yeah. I, I just, cause cause I know they're, they're, you're open to them. Yeah, like, exactly. Not... I, I definitely am always up for seeing the visual, the visual spectacle that they always are. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. smaller films, like, you know, a movie like Pain and Gain, which is like, one of his smallest films, budget-wise, still had a very distinct visual style, which I definitely liked. Uh, but the Transformers <laughs> franchise is—it's—it's it's, Ronald always like talks about it. You know, if a movie's not Transformers, you know, that's what people want to see. That's very true. You know what I mean? And it's accurate. We've always said that it's accurate, and I definitely fall into that category because, you know, being the age that I am, like you know, I grew up with the toy line, with the with the, with the action figures, with the cartoons. Yeah. So there's always a piece that will want to see it, even if I go in knowing that it's probably not good. Right. And I've heard that it's not good, but I've also heard from people that can 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 say that they can also admit that if you like the visual stuff that you're expecting, it's it's gonna be what you expect and probably a little more. Yeah, I mean, I definitely I'm gonna still have to check it out. Yeah, I, I gotta see it. Like like we were saying, the second one I was not a fan of, but the third one kind of redeemed it for me. I mean, I thought the third one actually was pretty solid. Not that this has really a whole lot to do with that one, because they've kind of like re- relaunched mm-hmm. it or rebooted it or repositioned it, whatever you want to call it. But uh, Marky Mark's in it too, so and it's made bank, like it's it's, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, it, it made ba- it ma- it's making bank, but like it's like the perfect example of that 
that first weekend cash grab. Yeah. Like it dropped like almost 70% in its second weekend, wow. which is I knew it was ridiculous. bad. I didn't know it was that bad. It's like 66 or 60. It's 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 more than like, I think 63 or 4. You wow. know, which is usually like you're around 60 and that's still like, wow. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's in the 60s. It's like, it's that's past high. that like high threshold. But I mean, that's what it is. But mm. but um, I'll give it my money in a, in a week or so. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. There's nothing else really that I, I mean... Coming out this week, I mean, obviously, I want to see Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that's like that was my pick for July, which I absolutely have to see. And not, you know, I've heard nothing but great things about it. And yeah, it's I'm it's sure. amazing. I mean, you don't want to get yourself too pumped up about something, Try but it. I was anticipating this movie because the first one was great, and everyone who, you know, there's been so much great word of mouth about how great this one is. It does seem like okay, now I've heard too much about how great it is, but maybe that means it's really just that good. Everybody seems pretty breathless about it when they yeah. when they comment. So. Unless the scenes in between the clips that I've seen are just stick figures moving around. <laughs> somebody making sound effects like with their Like puppets or something. I'm going to love it. Like, yeah. there's no... I mean, like, what can happen... There's only a couple of things I could imagine that could happen that I absolutely make me hate it, but there's, there's no way. Like, I'm pretty much set... For certain movies, I'm like, I, I know I'm going to love this. It's Matt Reeves, right? The right. guy who did Cloverfield and Let Me In. Let me in. So here's the guy who's got a pretty good track record with this genre stuff and a, an ability to bring a real style to it. And from what I've heard, he really came in and gave a pitch that excited everyone, which was start the movie off showing the society that the apes have built. Like mm. 10 years take place between yes. the first movie and this one. So the notion that they're picking up with... Um, you know, picking up with the apes and spending time with them before we get to see the humans. It's like that. We all know that the Caesar, the ape character, was the hero of the first film anyway. So it's, yeah. I love that this movie is acknowledging that, that like we actually are rooting for the apes on a certain level. I mean, I'm sure it'll be a, a, a battle on both sides, but I think that's really cool to just make that decision, make that leap to start with them. So... So I guess we're all saying go see uh, yeah, Dawn of Planet of the Apes. Maybe we'll see it there this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Have you noticed that it's a movie title that's got two of those in it? Have you seen that where it's Dawn of the Planet of the oh, Apes? Oh, they have the yeah. That's cool. Like graphically, it's like a, that's a lot to kind of pack in. But I've yeah. noticed what they do. They make the little of the vertical and they stick it in. But it is kind of odd. Oh. It's like when titles will have two colons in them or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, two of those. Didn't notice that. Yeah, I don't know if there's any other movie titles that have two of those in them. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. That might be the only. That might be it. <laughs> <laughs> that may be the, <laughs> the movie that came. Or just any of the Planet of the Apes <laughs> movies. Well, no. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, uh, beneath. Okay. Conquest. What's Conquest? Is it of the? <laughs> <laughs> it's Conquest. Near the planet of the Apes. I, let's just say this franchise has the exclusive rights to the of the Yeah, let's just say outside of the... Right, thank you, Steve. Give me some ground I can stand on. Outside of the Planet of the Apes uh, uh, franchise, find me a title that has... I'm sure there's like of 50 the, of them. There might not be, man. Of the twice. But two of those, yeah. That's, that's a lot. Well, you know how people, whenever we put a call out to listeners, how they tear it up. Yeah, mm. I expect the message board that blow we don't up. have. They're gonna to break be, the internet yeah, to be yeah. burning. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, everyone go see that. We haven't seen it yet, so mm. we, so we've talked about movies we haven't seen. Several <laughs> movies we haven't seen. Um, I did want to briefly touch on the all the news that's been coming from uh, the Star Wars Seven set, basically built. I think since we last spoke, Harrison mm. Ford hurt his ankle, which turned out to be a broken leg, which then, according to some reports, has taken him out of action for six months, but other people are saying there's only going to be a delay in shooting of Star Wars 7 for 
about two weeks. Mm. So, and they've also made a lot of cast announcements in the intervening time. I, I mean, I feel like this movie still sounds like it's doing lots of things really incredibly right, like such as getting Ryan Johnson to direct the next one and yeah. to script the one after that. Yeah. But then little things like, like the fact that they're so fixed on that release date that Harrison Ford, who's supposedly the lead of that film, that if he's injured, it might, you know, it could offset the movie by six months, but because that release date is nailed. In. <laughs> They're gonna force because him. of all the merchandising deals, don't think that Disney hasn't you know the toys of Christmas of 2015 is going to be blowing up with Star Wars it's toys. Insane. How is that going to happen? So what I'd heard was that they are the, the two options around were kind of like well either they're probably going to find a way to offset it and get uh, May 2016, which is supposedly what J.J. Abrams has wanted all along. Yeah. He wanted that May, that traditional Star Wars May release date, or they're just going to re maybe rewrite the script. Uh, around the idea wow. that Harrison Ford won't be as available. I'm more nervous about a hasty rewrite in yes. order to meet a date. I'm also nervous about if they take a plan to me that sounds really sound, which is to have the have a, no, more than just a token turn for one of these old characters, like actually give them a great role. To think that they might downplay that because of an injury, part of me is, my, my, my inner nerd is sad yeah. at the notion of that happening, but <clears throat> I also had the experience of watching... Uh, parts of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull recently, <laughs> and and I did sort of get a little sick like, in my stomach about like, he's in it so maybe much. they should like have it be a cameo where he's like on a flickering screen or whatever. Yeah. But I wonder if it's not just Harrison Ford that's dis that's disinterested in that movie. I wonder if Steven Spielberg wasn't really that switched on. I don't feel that much exuberance in the making of that movie, and I think J.J. Abrams is generally probably more excited. I mean, he's more in the prime of his yeah, career. Definitely. I think I think he I think we might be glad that it's a it's a young guy and that they're looking at young guys to make these movies definitely. because I think they're going to bring a new energy to it. So, I just don't know if you guys have been following that story and what no. you know. Not not as much as you have. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm aware of most of the things you just mentioned, but I mean, the perspective is is new on me. Well, what's interesting is when it happened the there, there'd been no plot details and then suddenly it leaks that he was basically the lead, yeah. which you, I had no, I don't know that I'd heard that news before, but that's no, that's interesting. Either. But you know, they were saying Oscar Isaac's role might be beefed up to take on some of the action that that Han Solo was supposed to get. So hmm. we'll see. But again, some part of me will be like, Han Solo should have had that. <laughs> <laughs> but now again, having seen Crystal Skull, it's like, oh, maybe he's yeah, he's he's one of those guys like. I don't know. It's, it's like awkward to watch him. Sometimes. It is. Oh, it's on screen. Now. <clears throat> you know. I would say yes. That was what struck me. <laughs> that 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 fourth Indiana Jones film. It's it's not just kind of stiff or we, there is something kind of. And what was funny was Henry, who's seen the other Indiana Jones movies, right. was like, he's got like gray hair now. <laughs> he's not as handsome as he used to be. I mean, it's like Henry was being extremely ageist, and I was really trying to be like Henry. Don't say that. That he's an icon, but I was sitting there thinking like, man, you know, he does yeah. look older yes. than I remember him looking in that movie. So anyway, remember how awkward it was watching him at the Oscars? Yeah, yeah. This year? Oh. So weird. That's one where I wish we could have recorded our reaction. We were all uncomfortable. Yeah, he's in always the room. had an yeah, you know, I'm Just a, the one. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a fan. Also, refrigerators fight radiation. According yeah, to that yeah, movie. I mean, you learn it's things like, from It's lead lines. Didn't you see the little... <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, so that's a that's a, another movie we haven't seen yet. It's coming out in a, a year and a half or two years, depending mm. on who you, who you talk to. So what have you seen, Steve, in La Fieta? In the theater. Well, recently I saw um, Tammy. Uh, oh. Ben Falcone uh, directed it, wrote it, I think, with his with his wife, his real-life wife, wife, Melissa McCarthy. Um, his wife? wife? My wife! Uh, Susan Sarandon, uh, Mark Duplass, uh, who else is in it? Mark Duplass, he doesn't pop up in a lot of movies. <clears throat> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Kathy Bates, I don't know, I just, we were talking about it a little before we started recording, but it's just that, and I think we even talked about this like last year when we talked about the heat, but like, 
I, I don't know how I feel about Melissa McCarthy anymore. Mm. I, I find her very funny, and um, anytime I watch like you know Bridesmaids, even parts of movies that I don't like that she's in or leads, like there's definitely something there Man. in her that I find hilarious. She can't carry a movie, and it's like not even Jason about Bateman. carrying the movie though. This, this okay, so I I would I would say that is, is how more so I felt about the Heat. Mm -hmm. um, this one I felt like she was better in this one, only because, and this is also the biggest fault of the film, is that it's not just all silly comedy. Mm. Like this movie actually taps into a few parts where like it gets kind of dramatic or a little darker and heavier mm -hmm. dramatically. Um, like things just about like childhood like experiences and like alcoholism and family and things like that where it gets kind of heavy. But then like the scene before, it's just dumb, stupid, you know, like fart jokes, you know, or, or whatever that joke is, you know what I mean? Like in, in this film, but that kind of exposure. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's not very well balanced. Like I feel like this is the kind of movie where she was almost there, you know, in terms of finding a movie where she's not just being ridiculous the whole film, like she's like actually acting or having a storyline that you yeah. can actually like try to care about. But um, it just jumped in and out of that so much that you don't really know, or I didn't really know if this movie really at one point was going to be just basically the heat or identity thief, like part three, you know what I mean? Like right. it's just silly, silly all the way through. And they were like, let's give her some acting, you know, because it's like, you know, her and her husband wrote this movie. Mm -hmm. Let, let's make it like, she can act. She's a serious actor too. And, it just, I don't know, it just like, it didn't really mesh very well together at all. Oh. Um, it's, it sounds odd to me that they would, that it wouldn't kind of be one or the other. I don't know, knowing that she got a chance to write it and like kind of, this was like a pet project and maybe Definitely. her husband directing it, like this was, this, it, yeah, I don't know, it just seems like it's unfortunate that uh, in a situation that seems primed to have been more in her wheelhouse and yes. more perfect that it somehow <laughs> seems to be, I mean, you're not the only person who sounds kind of disenchanted uh, after seeing this movie, and I mean, I, I won't. I mean, I, I think she's very talented, but I thought she was wildly. Let's call it the "let it go" or the "frozen" effect. Here's a decent thing that got wildly overrated. Right. I thought her performance in, in *Bridesmaids* was good and funny, yeah. but I felt like people were raving about her so much. I get it, but it just didn't seem like it was that revolutionary to me, and it seemed like that becoming that became a shtick really quickly. But people still seemed like I remember in This Is Forty, a lot of people loved her scene in that. Right. But it's that just kind of like shouting weird threats or making weird. Th I mean, it's it's like yeah, it's like it just felt like it got repetitive really fast. And I don't know, I didn't know. I, I think she is very talented, and I think she is a good actress. But I think that is a. I mean, that to me was apparent right from the start, to be like, how can you be like a gifted comedian who can do all this interesting stuff and might be able to do something more interesting and then turn around? It's kind of what Chris Farley dealt with on some yeah. level, where it's like, if you're not, if you're afraid to step away from kind of being, I mean, let's call it, let's call it what it is. It's kind of like fat humor. It's like using her, she uses her appearance in a very comical way. Yes. And it seems like, I don't know that you can do that and then also get to do the more weighty stuff without it seeming like, the tone shifting sometimes might not work, you know. Like, is she going to be one of those people who, who only gets dumb comedy roles after a while, or is she going to kind of stop be. doing that? Because you yeah. can't have like a regular movie and then have her stop and do her shtick in the middle right, of it. Right. You know what it's, I mean? That's what this, and exactly that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's that, but in a smaller dose. You could tell that there was some effort in, you know, going beyond like she, you know, like the dumb, you know, not white trash, but you know, like that. You know, just yeah. I mean, it's like simple. You know, just clueless, dumb person. You know, and then she plays it. You know, all the way through. And but then there there are scenes where you're like, actually, like that. I care more about that character, mm -hmm. and like actually seeing her talk about something besides being like ridiculous and 
you know, like in the trailer where she's like robbing the store and like, you know, that's that's what the trailer that everybody like, you know, a lot of people like and that scene's pretty funny in the film. But like that's so that's like not the character in the film at all. Like it's not the character. Like when she feel like it's just wedged in or it does. It does. Like even the first like 15 20 minutes where she's like just with Susan Sarandon and they're on like this like little road trip pretty much and it's just, it's piled on so heavy where it felt like you're trying to it's trying to hook you and oh my god Melissa McCarthy's so funny like this is the girl from the bridesmaids and you know like there mm-hmm. she is she's hilarious but then like halfway through th- you know second third act it's like but she's also really has issues mm-hmm. and she's really trying to deal with them wait a second here's a funny joke you know like it's, <laughs> it's like that weird like stab it in there real quick so that you don't get too depressed did, did I- I'm I'm not as familiar with as you guys might be, but, but did Black Sheep or Tommy Boy try to do that at any point? Did, like, did they try to go for genuine pathos at any point? I don't think so. Don't do you know what I mean? So. I, yeah, no. no I, I mean, I don't want to force the comparison between the two of them. No, but there, were parts, point. there were parts that got. I mean, there were definitely parts where you were supposed to like yeah, the characters, but, but was, I don't think those no. movies tried to pretend that they were, you know, walking the tightrope between drama and comedy. Yeah. They, it was pretty much always that's comedy. True. I wonder if maybe that's part of it that like, it's difficult for any actor to do that. Yeah. To. Um, you know, to like, I'm trying to think of who has done it. Like, who can kind of, well, I mean, you know. pull it. I, I just feel like, you know, if that's the attempt, you know, find a different outlet for that. Like, don't try to do both. And I, I, I mean, it could be successful, I'm sure. But in the one film, I, I don't feel like, you know, trying to wedge both is not required. Right. You know, like, if it's going to be that silly summer comedy, then that's what it is. Yeah. And it, it seems like, you know, there was definitely some indecisiveness in, in terms of what they really, really wanted to do. I mean, that said, I mean, I don't know. Like, it hasn't gotten great critical response, but... It did okay at the box office, and, mm-hmm. and everybody that I saw with crowd-wise, they seemed to really like it. She's on that show. I never really watched the show, but that show that she's on, Mike and Molly, mm-hmm. it's like a sitcom. I'm, I, I've never watched it, but friends that watch it kind of have confirmed, like, she doesn't play like the, the idiot on those shows, like yeah. the crazy, raunchy, I mean, because it, uh, it's not raunchy, but, you know, she's not that same character. She's just funny, but it's got a lot of heart. Like, she's got to find that in a, in a mainstream film and not just bank on how silly she is. You know, or she's going to be stuck being that. You know, yeah. kind of sort of like Will Ferrell did. Well, I was going to say, continues to do. Will Ferrell has yet to really have a role that really cinches his kind of dramatic acting, but he does have those he had movies. That, where, had that one, Stranger Than Fiction? fiction? Yeah, but, but it, I was going to say, a, like, it, it flops. But, but, like, that movie's a good example of one where he doesn't really go into full-on Will Ferrell except for maybe a couple of hints at a couple of yeah. points. Mm-hmm. Like, but he is another person whose shtick could get old really fast yeah. in, in one of those movies where it's just not that inspired. But I, 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 I don't think that it... It wasn't like his second or third appearance. I was already feeling like, okay, I've seen everything this guy can do. I don't know. I don't mean to... I mean, I think Melissa McCarthy is very talented and funny. I just feel like what was noteworthy about her in that movie was that she was funny in a particular way that women don't normally get to be. Absolutely. But it wasn't necessarily that I felt like it was this rich vein of comedy she had tapped into that I wanted to see repeated. It was more that, oh, this is like... She was kind of, you know, what we all said at the time, I think, was, it's like, uh, the she gets the Zach Galifianakis role in this, you know, it was a, in a lot of people's minds, it was kind of like a, a reversal of the kind of frat boy antics of The Hangover. Right. And so she was, you know, seeing a woman play that part is significant, and again, the fact that she gets to do these kind of roles is is unique. Yes. But it, it doesn't mean that they're all going to be great, and I guess, like, maybe this is her, what was the Will Ferrell movie where he coached a soccer team? Kicking and screaming. This is like her kicking and screaming. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, you know. Maybe. Yeah. On to the next Was one. Robert Duvall in this? Uh, no, but Susan Sarandon was. So, same concept. You know. <laughs> there you go. It's a formula. Yeah. What about you guys? Anything? Um, what you got? Uh, they came together. I saw that. Uh, Michael Showalter and David Wayne wrote it. Um, directed by David Wayne. Uh, it was... 
We would. It sounded right. sound like a spot you recorded. Michael Showalter and David Wayne directed it, directed by David Wayne. <laughs> I thought it sounded more like kind of part of a eulogy or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, how? what's your general feeling about the the state and all of the derived, you know, like Wet Hot American Summer and all okay, that stuff? Okay, love that stuff. Okay, so you um, were, you're a David Wayne yeah, fan coming into this. Um, I'm also a huge Michael Showalter fan. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if you ever saw Michael and Michael have issues yeah. with Michael, Ian Black and Michael so good. So good, that show. By the so, way, for anyone listening, that was Michael Ian Black and Michael Showalter. Michael Showalter, who, okay. along with the director, David Wayne, were all members of the state comedy troupe. Right. And mm. those three guys in particular, there was, they were also Stella, which had a, you know, yeah. did a lot of videos that were online and also had a bra. Yeah. So, I mean, like, this brand of comedy, it's been a long lineage. Yeah. And a lot of, of you know, a lot of material has come out of it. David Wayne has definitely carved out yeah. a nice little career as a director. I mean, I don't know that I ever go into his movies expecting a really refined piece of cinema, but I no. do expect something is going to be so silly that it's going to get under my skin and make me laugh. And there were two or three things and they came together. Yeah. That yeah. I was like, I mean, I was like laughing that kind of tearful hitting the table kind of laugh. And then there would be stretches where I was more just kind of like, oh, that's cute, you know. Yeah. Um... That's, they have that thing where, like, especially with, like, Michael Ian Black's character, where they go way too far Oh, you mean the, the, the douchebag characters? The douchebag characters. In, uh, we should take a, a step back and just say what they can oh, yeah. together is, maybe. What it's, it is. It's uh, like a, it's it like a, a spoof of a... Romantic of a, comedy. Yeah. Yeah, they, they basically dissect what makes romantic comedies kind of as shitty as they, they really are. And it follows almost, ex I mean, pretty much to the letter, the formula of a romantic yeah. comedy. Like every scene is a, is a, is a parody of almost like a very specific, narrow version of the romantic comedy that was yeah. really popular in like the '90s. You know, you know, it was really a really funny scene where they were like that French waiter who really has a stick up his ass, yeah. and he literally had a stick up his ass, which is a dumb thing, but it, yeah, it was a pole, and it's yeah. actually like a flagpole. <laughs> yeah. No, that was like the, one of the only jokes in the movie. That felt like it was out of airplane that was or something really like that. Really weird. And I but, the, but there were a few a few of those moments that really do feel like that Zucker Abram Zucker um, school yeah. of uh, of of comedy where it's not. I mean, to me, it's funnier and more refined than like the scary movie type stuff and the not another Definitely. blah 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 movie. It's it's better than those types of spoof movies, but it's not. It's not like a million miles better. It's just yeah. a little bit more intelligent. And I also think with the advantage of David Wayne and Michael Showalter's writing and David Wayne's directing, you get like a, a silliness. There's definitely scenes. There's a few things that are just ridiculous jokes or moments that really you go like, that was like they got that in a movie and that was the whole point of that joke was that <laughs> yeah. they got to do that. <laughs> but like I liked all the stuff with the, um, um, the basketball scene. Where he's playing basketball with all his friends, <laughs> and each one of them, Steve, like represents a different kind of take on romance. And it's that scene in the romantic comedy where the guy's getting advice from all his friends. Yeah. And each one of them is like, "I think love is this," right? And then when it finally gets to Keenan Thompson, yeah. he's like, "I'm married and I love it." That's the point of view I represent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's so good. And while they're doing this, they're like going back and forth in the most awkward, like fake playing a game of basketball together. And each time that they, one of them shoots, it cuts. And they miss spectacularly, and I think it's Joe Latrulli, not Joe Latrulio, um, uh, Ken Marino, who you yeah, hear say Ken "swish" Marino. every time one of them misses the ball. That scene Ken is like Ken Marino is so funny, right? And Jason Manzukas is funny in a few yeah. scenes too. But I mean, it's full of little like, yeah, like I said, there were moments where I thought, "Oh, this is slack filmmaking. This is sloppy." And this, and then I would be like, like I said, hitting the table and like you know pausing it almost because something just got me. So it's definitely funny, but it's it's. 
It's shaggy, and I think all of his movies have that shaggy quality to them. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's worth watching. I think it's worth watching. I don't know if, like... It's a group sort of movie, I think. Like, it's it's okay to watch with a couple people, like, you know, if you have nothing to do and you mm-hmm. just want to snicker at some things. I, I think it's a pretty solid movie. Do you think it's relevant... In terms of what it's spoofing, do you think it's really relevant? Because I feel like that type of romantic comedy has almost already fallen from fashion to some extent like it feels to me like it's yeah, spoofing it's movies spoofing that were popular 15 years ago yeah. more so than uh, the current crop of romantic comedies i don't know what they that they have all those formulas in place like they did for a while but well, i don't know that kind of makes it even more interesting that it's so it's so so much of a departure from the current romantic mm-hmm. comedies and it's making fun of it especially if you like stuff like pretty woman and stuff like that those those movies that style It'll still remind you of those. I, I feel like even younger people really do attach themselves to some of those older films because they, they 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 have some value now. They still are very very great to watch now. So I think that it it still has a place, especially in a Netflix sort of generation. Once it hits Netflix, I think that movie's going to do really well. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know. Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd, big they're big names. And once you kind of oh Parks and Rec, and they definitely. It. Sell it. I mean, like their oh, their yeah. chops make a lot of the material work really definitely. well. But it does feel like there's a sense of fun, and I, you know, there are definitely some jokes that feel like this was just something that they ran with on the day. And I do think that that spirit comes through. You know, you don't think of these spoof films as feeling spontaneous like that. Yeah. It feels like everything's a very obvious kind of labored setup punchline type thing. Mm. But this actually does have some moments of of actual life in it. And you know, Paul Rudd can do some of the most sarcastic acting like deeply sarcastic like when he's acting pleasant but there's a sarcasm behind it <laughs> yeah. it's so sarcastic you know like it reminds me of his character in Wet Hot American Summer if you remember the part where he pushes the tray onto the floor <laughs> mm-hmm. and then she like makes him pick it up and he's just like oh, like throwing himself but he's doing it the most sarcastic like acting I've ever seen in this movie yeah. kind of reminded me of that but I, I, I enjoyed it I, did, I didn't like love it but yeah. I enjoyed it definitely. it's almost hard to imagine anybody being bowled over by it but I do think it would be a fun one to watch with a bunch of people because it's that kind of it's stupid funny yeah definitely um what else did you see um, um... I finally saw um <clears throat> The Sacrament mm-hmm. that you talked about okay. in a prior episode and I and I couldn't agree with everything you said anymore. So that's, that'll be all I say about I, that. Well, I'm, one thing I wanted to mention since I saw that you I saw that you had checked in to that. Yeah, that's you know, um, what we do. We check in. Did you were you bothered at all by the fact that it's a found footage movie? Mm-hmm. We were talking about Ty West's the Sacrament. You can go back and listen to our thoughts on it in, from episode. I don't remember the episode number. Um, but we talked about it, or I talked about it a, a, a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, but did it bother you? They went to a lot of trouble to make the found footage thing seem probable. And then they left one of the cameras. Did you notice that? Like, there were two cameras. Oh, right, right. And there's different footage being shot with the two cameras. And they, they did a really... And I was even, I even made notes. And I, I wanted to mention this when I talked about it before. But I made notes like, oh, good use. They were doing a good job of, like, the reason it looks reasonably well shot is because it's an actual documentary guy shooting it. They put this camera down. Like, you can see how the movie you're watching would have been constructed from the two cameras that they had. Right. And then, when they are fleeing they leave one of the two cameras in that room where everything goes down at the end. It just seems weird that they went to all that trouble and then made it clear that, like, here's this angle that you're seeing is from this camera. And it's like, oh, they're really doing a good job. And all they had to do was have the guy, like, grab it as they were running, but they didn't. And I was just like, well, that's weird because now they... Who made this movie? Like, who went back and... 
Do you know what I mean? I got you. Yeah. I don't know. I, didn't, I, I, I guess it didn't bother even... you from the look on your no, face. No, I mean, <laughs> as you're saying that, that's totally logical. And it makes total sense. And I kind of... But, I mean, do you ever do that like in a found footage movie? That. Try to figure out, like, how was it actually... Like, in the concept, how would this work? And in this case, they did <laughs> set, they did a really good job of making it seem like, oh, there's two cameras. That's why yeah. whenever, it sh whenever the movie itself would cut to a different Shit, angle, yeah. you could believe it was from that other camera. And then uh. just was like, well, the guy just abandons it. So I guess someone went back and... I said, hey, by the way, if you see my camera, could you please send it? <laughs> please throw it on a helicopter and send it over. So that movie was me. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I, I actually really wanted to see it and like kind of lowered it a little bit when John was talking mm -hmm. about it. And, and everything he said makes total sense. I mean, I, I do think it uh, it kind of solidifies my concern with Ty West. Ty West as a whole. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, it just, it felt kind of lazy to me. Um, yeah. I, it's like that kind of movie and like even going back and like reading more about Jonestown and like refreshing my memory about it I mean it literally is that movie it's that it's that story like, right pretty much it's pretty much all of it it's as know? though he's banking on people that don't remember or don't know that history yeah because I don't I, again it seems like if you're gonna do that why not just do a a, uh, like a not a biopic of Jim Jones but I mean why not just do something about Jonestown if you're right. gonna come that close and not not really do it. I mean, that's where I, I kind of felt like I was falling in the crack a little bit because I remembered a lot of it, but then there were some parts where I was like, wait, did that, did that happen in Jonestown? Like, mm -hmm. Oh, whole, yeah. You, you know, and, and then when I went and looked it up, I was like, actually, it did. And mm -hmm. I, I, and then at that point, you're like, if, if I am somebody that's either a little older or just has a better memory, you know, and, and remembers it, like, really clearly, it would, to it would totally feel like, well, I mean, why am I continuing to watch it? Like, it, it doesn't really... Right. There's nothing new... In terms of filmmaking, or even just like being a work of fiction, you know, on the screen. So it, three quarters of the way through it, I was like, I don't really know if I even care about <laughs> continuing right. to watch mm. it. Like I think I had to go walk my dog or something, you know, something <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, and whatever dread it managed to build, nothing stuck with. Like I, at the yeah. end of it, I didn't find myself looking over my shoulder the way yeah. a good a good you know suspense movie will have you doing. Yeah. Like, uh. so. Yeah, pretty passable. Okay. Yeah, sadly. John, what'd you see? Well, I saw uh, 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 one more that I know that you saw. Ooh. <laughs> Which one? Bum, bum, bum. The Stranger by the Lake. You saw? Oh, God, let's talk about that <laughs> fucking crazy movie. Let's just preamble this film by saying that historically, everyone knows that you're more likely to see a naked woman in a film yeah. than a naked man. Absolutely. Well... Stranger by the Lake has taken care of that ratio mm, it's done. entirely. However, I would say that it, it's, I mean, it's a film that takes, it, it's built around like a lake. It's a French lake where these, these like nudists go and we're like cruising. A lot of, a lot of homosexual cruising is going on. I guess yeah. that's what they call it. Yeah, that's what it's called. Which reminds me of the movie Cruising, which was a very similar movie in a lot of ways. The, <laughs> the Al Pacino movie that I've referred to a few times. Yeah. But, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not just that it's like, oh, this movie is kind of provocative and shocking because of the amount of homosexual sex that it's depicted. It's that if a film were, if it were depicting heterosexual sex to this degree, yeah. it would be provocative it would be and so shocking. Yeah. Because you just don't see, I mean, there was, I saw more taints, like well-lit taints yeah, well -lit. in this film yeah. than any other film. I mean, I want to say that's not porn, but I'm saying even in porn that I've seen, I don't see this many well-lit taints. In BJ's. In this like, film. Like, wow, many BJ's. Like, man. So very I, provocative, as, very... There was there was a scene of a sexual act that was zoomed in so close that I, I was like, man, they 
have to be doing this. They well, I think the director did want the actors to actually do stuff that they didn't want to do, so they brought in, like a lot of times, I think they brought, okay. bring in like porno actors to, for some of the close-ups. But there was some stuff that, like there's a scene of, there's, a, you know, there's an ejaculation, just things yeah, you don't normally just... see in a, in a non-porn film, yeah, you know, and so I found was... that kind of interesting. I did think it was well shot. I did think it had a lot of interesting things going for it. I thought it was a little too repetitive yeah, and boring. Was... And again, you know, I don't know that it, if it had been, if it had been all women or something, I could see it. I guess what I'm saying is it would have gotten almost boring, uh, even with that. Like even if yeah. I had been titillated by it, which right. I don't know. I'm not saying you know. There's there's some good looking guys in this. There's a lot of a lot yeah. of healthy. Clean packers, Steve. I know that's the kind of thing you you seek out when you go to see a film. But these are some, you know, these guys have these guys have shapely packers. There's some yeah. there's some gifted and not so gifted guys. That um, guy, that guy, that one guy, that one that guy that lurked around. To, his his finger yeah. was buried in his pubic hair. He had no dick. Mm -hmm. It was it was basically just enough to pee. It was the craziest thing. And I'm normally not pretty big, like big on. <laughs> You're not uh, sitting there like reverse judging. Reverse pun yeah. intended. No, no, I know what you're saying. Fucking was so weird to see a man with a penis that small. On film. On film. You know that like in some medical journal somewhere. Yeah, there was. it was really crazy. But the movie in general, besides the really long sex scenes... It was actually pretty cool. I it mean, was really interesting and it actually got very creepy. And what like the, the fuck was the second half of the movie? In <laughs> the first half was one thing. And then it was like, is it a murder mystery at this point? I'm very open, man. I'm very open. But I don't know how... I don't... I I, I fought to, to make it through this movie. And mm -hmm. I'm normally like, oh, okay, Gideon's having sex, that's cool. But that was so... So much that extended, like sideways fucking scene mm -hmm. got. I was like, I don't know if I could sit through this whole thing. Well, I mean, here's the thing have you ever watched porn for more than say seven or True. eight minutes? Yeah, <laughs> you know? I've never watched it. 15, you know, you kind of like so at eight minute 80 in a movie that is at least halfway comprised of some kind mm -hmm. of sex, uh, it, it does start to feel kind of again, like I, I you know, it's just. It, it without being boring because it was well made and I thought well acted. Mm -hmm. There were some um, boring ass parts, but there were parts where the the rep. Yeah, I mean, I, it just felt like it needed to be tightened up a little bit. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Those if those scenes were cut <laughs> that's out. That's a strange thing to say about this movie. Yeah, let's say yeah. <laughs> if those scenes were cut out or shortened, it would be it would, <laughs> all these. Everything just... you can say about a movie sounds very uh, sexual. Cut it off, shorten it, uh, tighten it up. Um, yeah, but I mean, that, but do you know what I'm saying, Ronald? Oh, like, absolutely. At the risk of sounding homophobic or like we, like we are challenged by that. I really do think this much straight sex in a movie would have had the same effect on yeah, me. Absolutely. I would have gotten tired of squishing sounds coming yeah. out of vaginas just as much, you know. Yeah. But there's a lot of sound. There's a lot of smacking and squishing and yeah. feet on gravel and clothes coming on and off. I mean, <laughs> a there's a, it, it's very, and did you notice no score? No score whatsoever. Yeah, yeah that was... But the but the the central murder mystery or the hint at that is very like it's a chilling notion and I think at the at at, at the risk of spoiling the movie uh, it has a lot to do with this one character and kind of what he'll do for this for this magnetic attraction mm -hmm. he feels to this person like this person that he knows he shouldn't be with who's dangerous who's literally possibly dangerous like mm -hmm. to him that he is so taken with him that he's willing to kind of, you see the guy's morality kind of bend. And I think it plays around with that idea of you're following a protagonist. You sort of like to plug yourself into the protagonist. <laughs> that was a bad choice of words too. <laughs> you like to insert yourself into the anus of the protagonist, Ronald. 
um, and become him. Um, but in this movie, you sort of do that until there's a point where the protagonist does a thing in very much the middle of the movie that you wouldn't do. Yeah. There's a point where you go, well, surely the protagonist... There's a point where the, the, the shot of what you're watching is the protagonist's point of view. Mm-hmm. And then you see so much in that shot that you think to yourself, that surely the protagonist is not still standing there watching this. Yeah. And then you find out he is. And you realize this guy's darker than... You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's yeah. not it's not the stand-in for the everyman. You're now wondering what the protagonist is going to do, too. Um, and it's a very simple movie. There's something kind of poetic. I do think the uh, the 20-minute shorter version of this movie, I would probably be raving about yeah, what a tight thriller yeah, it is. <laughs> God damn it. A tight fuck. <laughs> uh, this kind of movie that could really fall between the cracks. <laughs> a lot you of cracks. Yeah. Man, right. there were so many yeah. cracks. Yeah. So woodsy head. I think that's like that's what it should be called. Woodsy I mean every head. angle. Every angle you could possibly imagine of every sexual act that you could possibly have as a gay man. And that was it. And if this is how it works in the homosexual community, I want to go back in time uh-huh. and be gay yeah. and have my wild days hanging out by a lake in France because Damn. this is a this is a hot scene. Yeah. Steve. <laughs> People just show up and just whip their clothes off and then just go walk. I'm going for a walk in the woods and they yeah. just walk off and then somebody kind of follows them and then they uh-huh. go into a grove. And if you're a guy with a little wee, uh, little guy. What the fuck was if that? You're that but if you, that, he gets to lurk around and beat off. And yeah. no one seems to have a problem with it as long as it's like that they're just having sex. When they're like, we're talking, go away. <laughs> Come back later. They actually say that at one part. Come I like later the one where he fucking. just did what he did, and he's like, "Have a good day, sir." Yeah, right. <laughs> he he was the only one that shook someone's hand. Yeah. I guess. And, we strange one. I mean, it is it is kind of fascinating, and it's got, it actually was, it's I mean, got two or three characters that I think actually are going to stick with me. And the ending is one of those endings that kind of descends into nightmare almost. But, yeah, absolutely. But a, but a very uh, I mean challenging for all the reasons we just mentioned. But I, yeah, at the risk of us sounding kind of prudish, it. It, it it would I think it would challenge your perception no matter what your what your sexual orientation is yeah. or how comfortable you are with with seeing the, just certain things depicted on screen. It's very graphic, uh, no matter how you look. The at trailer it. is nothing like the actual movie yeah. in terms of what you're gonna see. So I mean, but that's if you can if you could deal with a lot of the uncircumcised uncircumcised penis European penises and how heavy it gets sometimes. I'd say definitely check it out. Definitely check it out. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's I, I can tell that Steve's basically not rushing out to see this one. Maybe maybe you're interested. I don't know. You it's might... funny. One of, my, one of my good friends and somebody's opinion I, I highly value, he put out his like top 10 of the year so far. And that's one of them? It was number, that was number two. Is that the guy that I met? Is that the guy that I met from New York? Yes. Yeah. I really like that guy, by the yeah. way. I, he's forever in my head. Like, yeah. whenever you mention talking to him, I'm yeah. like, oh, that cool. He was really yeah. cool. So I don't know. I I I'll, I got to check it out. Okay. I mean, if it makes his list, most of those movies, I got to check it out. I mean, I do think it's a good movie, and I think that it does. One, it it reminded mm-hmm. me almost of like a David Lynch film in some ways, in that you're kind of following it, and then when it gets to a moment that was is very simple, it's very scary. There's a couple of really scary moments that are are you would you're sort of surprised at the potency of those right. moments. I guess what I'm trying to say is you're gonna jizz all over this film, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> if you'll follow my meaning. I don't know how true to life it is though. I mean I don't know if this movie I'm assuming it's sort of an insider's account. Like I'm assuming the director you know, knows yeah. what he's like that he's basing it in some kind of real milieu. But I kept wondering, is this a weird paranoid fantasy of what these well, 
I, what these kind of cruising communities would be like. Because this is just like a rural area out in the middle of nowhere where it doesn't seem like anyone has said yeah. this is a nude beach. But it's like people just know they can go out there and be unmolested, you know. I have some friends that are in the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's, it's like these accelerated relationships. I mean, because think about it. You're a dude. You meet another dude, you're like, oh, what? I mean, we can talk, we can be friends, but I mean, no, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know anything else about this guy, the director, the director of that? No, I was looking at other movies and I was like, oh, I don't know G- that movie. Girodi, Alain, Alain Girodi. Yeah, I don't. Didn't really know any of the other movies. <laughs> but my wife suggests that. No, I thought it was pretty good though. Um, so other other movies, uh, I saw Locke. Oh, you did? What'd you think? Man, man, there's one thing about Tom Hardy, man. You can say whatever you want about his looks. He's a handsome man. But he can act his fucking ass off. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 nice to see. Um, because the way he's he is portrayed in this movie isn't really like handsome lead. It's like a person that it's a day in the life sort of story that is really goes from zero to a hundred very quickly as he's in this car. I think it's really cool that everybody else is a voice acting, and these this these parts of this story are being revealed through these people that he's speaking to as he's taking his crew somewhere. Don't know where he's going on a highway. Mm-hmm. Uh, because essentially you're just alone in the car with him. You're alone in the car with film, him. Right? And um, you get to see who's calling. And then as the movie gets a little crazier, you don't see all the time who's calling. So the suspense starts to build. So you're like, oh, fuck, who was that? Uh, mm-hmm. After you had this crazy conversation, who's he going to talk to next? It's intense. And I think that it's it's a lesson to a lot of, I don't know, people that kind of get by on looks like I, I think he's one of those people that can just kind of adapt to these he can become these people these unlikable people these likable people he became he was so many things in this movie that i, I mean you 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 felt very sorry for him at times and you're like fuck what, what kind of person is he right. but to see the layers kind of unfold through these conversations that he's having with these people co-workers and and family members and you know, children, it's interesting to see who Tom Hardy can be as an actor given the the space to be a good actor. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's an incredible movie. I, d- I didn't think it was the greatest movie I'd ever seen. It's definitely probably going to be in my top 15, if not my top 10 of this year. Definitely. And you saw it, right? Yeah, I, I thought it was really good as well. I mean, I a lot of the same things. Yeah, it's... it's I mean, and, and and I haven't heard anybody really complain of that movie seeming boring at any point. Oh man, I it it became repetitive at times. Yeah, it it definitely kind of falls into it. Like once you're introduced to the cast of voice characters mm-hmm. that he's going to be interacting with on this drive, that you know you don't know what the drive's for initially, right. and it doesn't really show it in the trailer, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, so you know you have a small cast of people that you're going to be hearing him interact with on these phone calls, but. Yeah, just the, it, it's it it feels very uh, it's like very it's very rushed, but but not rushed where you're missing things. Mm-hmm. Um, what seems rushed is what he's trying to do. Right, like everything that he's doing on this drive is like 
very, very, everything is very time sensitive. Both with work, personal stuff, family stuff, you know, the, the X Factor thing that puts him in the situation that he's in in the film. Mm -hmm. Everything is like so time sensitive and he's trying to keep it all together and also trying to, in some ways, take responsibilities in areas of his life that people in, you know, in his life growing up didn't. Which is, I think, a really interesting character study when you're looking at somebody making a really tough decision and it makes you kind of like think, you know, what, what decision would you make in a situation like that? And especially in a stage of his life that this character that he plays is in, um, but I, I, yeah, I I thought it was really solid. What do you think about the like monologues that he had with himself? Yeah, um, you bastard. Well, well, it's not with himself. <laughs> well, it's not with himself. Yeah. But you know, you know I what I mean. Like, uh, I, I honestly think uh, it feels kind of natural because I think yeah. you know, at certain points when you start to hit that wall, yeah, sometimes you need. I, I mean, not not to say you have to do it because I mean, somebody might say it's like a psychological break. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes you'll find yourself talking to yourself. You know, like when yeah. you need to kind of air something out where yeah. all you're doing is talking to somebody else. It's not getting yeah what you're saying yeah. or not cooperating to allow you to do what you need to do. So, you know, and especially in his case where, like, there's a backstory of blame, I, man, you know. I love, I mean, like, simple enough. I mean, this is like somebody spoon-feeding you this sort of thing. But I like that the the person he was talking to was literally in the back seat. Yeah. And literally, sometimes when you have these things happen in the back of your mind, when you think about all the things that you're doing, and, and you, you're not wanting to kind of be like your parents and not yeah. want to be like people that you've been around. Yeah. I thought that was cool, man. Yeah, very cool. Solid movie. Very good. Solid movie. I, I'd suggest that anybody. I mean, if you can stomach the whole idea of it being in one place, it's a solid movie, man. I'd say if you can't stomach that, then you don't deserve it. <laughs> you a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, last, the last thing I wanted to say uh, that I saw, um, I think you saw it, Ronald. The uh, bad words. Bad words. I yes. Saw that. Yeah. And I thought it was really good. So good. I man. really liked it a lot. And, I, I, uh, I will eat my words. Remember what I said? What, was your, what did you say? I said Jason Bateman cannot carry a movie. Oh, right. Oh Yeah, actually, that's one of the notes I had. I was going to ask I, you I, I will eat my fucking words, man. He was incredible. This is the best. I feel like this is Whew. the best he's been in a yes. movie. Yes. Or, or one of his strongest performances in a movie. And, uh, I mean, it's basically like bad Santa for spelling bees. <laughs> I mean, if you want to try to get somebody to watch the movie. Yeah. yeah. If you want to tell if a person's going to be into this movie... Because if they take it too seriously, it's not gonna. Yeah. Not, no one's gonna like. They're not gonna like it. But um, the kid's adorable. Oh, I that thought kid. Captain Han was great. Um, Is just, it weird that that t that kid made me like want to tear up? He was oh, such yeah. a good dude. He was just a cute kid. Yeah. Good heart. Yeah, definitely. No, no, I, I'm glad I finally saw that. I was really bummed out that I didn't get to see that in theaters. And sadly, like it made no money. Yeah. But um, I mean, it really? makes it. Yeah, it made, I don't even know if it made it into double digits. Hate to say this again, but once it hit Netflix. Netflix Oh, it's, it's gonna definitely fucking gonna catch do well, on, man. Sure. Like I, I can't really stress more hearing that people connect. People connect things so easily now because yeah. they're like, okay, Arrested Development. Oh, this guy's in Arrested Development. Yeah. I'm gonna fucking watch this movie, yeah. and and that's that's how a lot of people that I know watch things on Netflix. They connect actors to other things, other work that they've done, and this this deserves. If, if there's, I hate Netflix. If any movie deserves to have the light of Netflix, to have the opportunity to be seen, it's this one. Yeah. So. There's, yeah, there was a few, like, pretty good gut-busting laugh scenes. Yeah, there. man. I was, I was, I was into it. Definitely. Uh, John, what else did you see? Um, I saw Snowpiercer. Did anyone else oh, see no. Snowpiercer? Man, I, I, have I have it, and I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Is it worth seeing? 
I really liked it a lot. Um, I mean, <laughs> everybody it's, keeps telling me that. It's the new film by and I, I don't know if it's is it Bong Joon Ho or yeah. Bong Yoon Ho. I don't know. I think but Bong Joon-ho, who directed... The only other film of his that I've seen is The Host, the host yeah. from a few years back. Can, and I really liked that the host mix was, of The host genre. with the swinging... Okay, can you do me a big favor? I know what? this sounds... This is weird. Yeah. Please don't give away too much about the plot. Because somebody told me to go into it without knowing what it's about. What, Snowpiercer? I had known nothing about the movie. I don't know about going into it knowing nothing about I know what nothing it's about. about the movie. But I mean, like, there is definitely... So the, you could end up seeing, like... Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and you think you're watching Snowpiercer? Yes. <laughs> how many? How many? Apes? Also, how many apes are in that time? There were fucking eight apes in yeah. this movie. No. <laughs> um, it it's. I mean, the general concept is it's the future, and the Earth is a wasteland, mm -hmm. and all of humanity is on a train. That I mean, it's it's kind of a high concept idea. You have to accept this, but um, it's based on a graphic novel that I'm not familiar with, and I actually might seek it out because the movie's really interesting. But the movie is definitely set up to be like an allegory for society because the premise is this is a train that is kind of self-powered, but it's just running around this track. And all the humanity that's left alive is on this track, which seems to go around the world in a year. And it it's powered... Basically, it's a self-sustaining system. You know what? You've got the haves in the front of the train and the have-nots in the back. Fuck, man. I've seen, I've seen a clip from that movie mm -hmm. like almost two years ago. Oh, yeah. Almost two years ago, I remember seeing parts of it. It has Josh No, Hartnett. Chris, Chris, Chris Evans. Oh, that is the same people. The other Josh Hartman. <laughs> no, actually... Same people. Not. I, I feel like Chris <laughs> Evans is... I mean, after seeing him in this, I'm definitely... Like, I feel confirmed in my feelings that Chris Evans is... is he's a better? He's just him? a leading... Oh, better than Josh Hartnett? <laughs> dare, dare I give such lofty praise to any young actor? Someone has finally come along. I just feel like he's like... You know, have, we've talked Dethroned before about him. that kind of lack of, like, credible leading men, the kind mm -hmm. of normal, just, you know, men to carry these movies. I feel like Chris Evans has now shown me between Captain America and this and even like his turn in Scott Pilgrim and even before that in those awful Fantastic Four movies he was funny and it's like he has proven to me that he's not a, a weak link even though when I look at anyone who's like blonde and blue eyed and yeah, you, just, you, you really want to think he sucks you yeah, know you but I think he's actually really good and in this he he plays that kind of tough guy protagonist who you really like to f to follow in this type of film because it's all about just this fight from the back of the train up to the front and each train car they go through changes the story. Oh, that's cool. And each train, they, and, and you, see, you see all the elements of this future society and how it works mm -hmm. and you go from, like I said, the, the, the poorest of the poor to the richest of the rich and as you go, the story that develops, it's all about decisions that have to be made in a revolution, like, how, how far do you go into a situation and stay true to your ideals or do you stay true to the people you're with? Because at some point, sacrifices have to be made, and you keep going and keep going. Oh, man. And so it's like, it's philosophical. It yeah. reminded me of, you know the way when, uh, I don't even remember, the, the Matrix, the oh, second shit. Matrix movie was Matrix Reloaded? Was that what mm -hmm. it was called? Uh, what was the last one? Revolutions. Revolutions. You know the way when it get, you get to the end of Matrix Reloaded, though, there's this, there's this fake philosophical, or maybe it's not fake, but it's just this overloaded moment of philosophy. I would say the end of this movie gets close to that. There's a monologue near the end of the film that's maybe a little too... Like, there's a lot of explanation. But it actually clicks in this, and it presents a central conflict that the character has that is really tangible. It's really interesting. But I would say that if the movie suffers at all, it's it's like it's working so hard to make the allegory for society work that there are times when 
it's it's almost hard to accept like the story is almost more of an allegory than it is a story if that yeah. makes any sense yeah. yeah but it's such an interesting notion and this whole notion of if the system is messed up do you destroy the system do you do you change the system from within or do you just accept your place i mean like you see all these ideas within this close like they came up with a really closed narrative a very simple clean storyline to say you can come totally compare it to I mean, it's the narrative that everyone talks about now in our culture, in our world of, of, you know, the small percentage of people who have all the resources and everybody else who's clawing to get a little bit of that action. Gotcha. Um, uh, the Unbelievers was a documentary I saw. I mean, uh, um, that was a documentary about two men, uh, Richard Dawkins and Lawrence Krauss. That oh, yeah. kind of tour the world and talk about how you should basically... Uh, really embrace science over religion because having a perspective that's one of a realistic sort of pers a realistic perspective doesn't take away from the idea that like you can live a moral life you can be a decent person without this idea that religion is is directing your your every move because it's been used to manipulate people destroy nations as you know slavery and all these things and why don't we take this shroud over society and try using science to kind of create this ideal society that people want? Right. So it's it's heavy. It's a heavy thing, and they dispute a lot of things that a lot of people love. Um, and they really kind of pose the question, is it, if you have these things stripped from you, if somebody tells you, if somebody has a scientific explanation for every concept that you like, there's no explanation for that. Um, can you live a fulfilled life? And that's a heavy duty question that they, <laughs> they mm -hmm. answer, try to answer throughout the whole thing. I think it's really interesting. I don't know if I agree with every aspect of it, but it's definitely something that poses a bunch of questions that I pose all the time that I, it's, it's so interesting to hear another person, another group of people talk about. So you already question these things. Who's question. this movie for? Is it for people that already question it, or is it for, is it preaching to this the is converted? The or yeah, is it, it's it's so it is, I mean, who's going to watch this movie that needs to be convinced? It's preaching to the converted. You know what I mean? The thing is, if you if you the the I found that the people that are very religious will have a hard time watching this because it condemns so many aspects of it. But is it and condescending? It's religion? super condescending. Okay, see, to me that would be that's the problem with it. Like, there has to be space in your. The, I, I, one thing that I deal with a lot is that I I found that I'm a lot more liberal than most people I'm around. I find, and you may have to deal with this on a regular basis because of your temperament. I'm so you, progressive, I don't believe in anything. <laughs> that you have to make space. You have to make space for people. You mm -hmm. have to make space for people's beliefs. So, like, if somebody's like, I I think that God did this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if that's what you believe, man, like, if... If you attach yourself to this idea and, and that makes you feel good, yeah. just like I can attach myself to the idea that this couch that I'm beside made me muster up enough energy to go to school and get an education, and that's my source of energy, that's my source of faith, why is that such a fucking bad thing? Why do people act like that's ridiculous? If you pray to a, a toy, why is that so crazy? Or a cup. Or well, it's like when someone tells you they're 
it's like what you want to say is, are you asking me what I think? Or right. are you just sharing something with me? Right. Because there's two different conversations. Because <laughs> if you ask me what I think, I'll, you know, I'll tell you I don't fuck with that. But if, if you're telling me how this fits into your life, mm-hmm. how this makes you feel, I can identify with that more than I can identify with any given belief. Mm-hmm. Somebody told me the other day that they thought Chipotle was good. I don't fuck with that. I think this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But that's like anything else. That's like any other belief. Right? You hate Chipotle or something? I hate Chipotle. <laughs> I think it's the lowest common denominator of food but that's i mean that's how i feel you know see, now I mean? we're on this chipotle thing this is this is taking us to some, <laughs> it's taking to some... no i mean but yes i know what you're saying it's yeah, like it's, it's a like, matter of opinion and it's, it's like that opinion. whole opinion is fact thing but the thing i do find i don't know it's, i guess i'm on the fence because if you don't challenge assertions that keep getting reiterated that are idiotic oh. then you aren't really doing your part and it's it's a t- it's a touchy it's conversation touchy. to have but that's one of the central points is like you can t- if everything if you can take someone's sexuality put it on the table and analyze it if you can take people's like food habits and put it on the table why the fuck can't you take religion, mm-hmm. put it on the table, and cut it up a little bit, and look at all it, look at it from all other angles that everything else is, and why are people hypersensitive about it? And the, the belief is basically like it has to deal with death. Mm-hmm. Death has to do with it in in the state of your soul, and that's why people get so fucking crazy about it. That's why people get so, yeah. and it's okay to not think that this this is the way to do it. This is the way to to have an amazing existence. Is to not cling on to this one thing that everybody clings on to because that's what everybody was taught to do. So right. I don't know. I think it's a cool concept. It's heavy. Yeah, it is very it's heavy, heavy to watch, um, especially with people. I don't know if all I don't know if movies like that are meant to be watched with everybody. Did you see uh, Religious? The yeah, and, and how does this compare to that? Oh. It's in the same vein, but it's not quite as snarky. Okay. It's really, it's, so, it's really just footage. Mm-hmm. So, it's not narrated in the same way that religious like, look at this fucker. Yeah. Like, not like that. It's really just like, this is what happens when they tour. And these Great the, Bill Maher impression. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just very like, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. This is the account of what they do when they're on tour. This is what happens. This is what they say. Everything else is just kind of, you know, there's no, there's no opinion inserted in it aside from the footage that they've taken, which I think is good. Religious is heavy. I mean, like heavy, heavy handed in the way that it condemns. It's just the footage that condemns it. Not so much that it's trying to like feed you into this whole idea. Like mm-hmm. this is why religion is dumb. They're just saying it in these, in these scenes. And I and and I think that's a little better than religious, so I'd suggest seeing it, especially if you, I don't know, if you feel the way I feel about all that stuff. Enough about movies, Steve. Do you believe in God? <laughs> huh? Right here, right now. We need to. Know. I think yeah. allowing space for something that's different and that goes yeah. beyond an opinion. It goes to everything. Yeah. You know, with me versus you, so I, I'm I'm totally fine with that, and I yeah. totally appreciate that and allow that in my life. But I'm always curious to see, you know. To hear what somebody has to say about anything, and that, that goes in line with allowing that space. I mean, a movie like this is is space to me. You know, somebody mm-hmm. that thinks exactly the opposite of this film may not allow that space. You know. Well, I mean, I wonder if I would even take the. I mean, here's here, here's here's the thing. I I definitely I could see myself watching this film. 
I don't think if there was the religious version of this, like a couple of really smart religious people that mm -hmm. were trying to sell the opposite point of view, I don't think I would watch. I think you watch film. it. I would not. So it's like as even handed <laughs> as even handed and as fair as I try to be in my yeah. head, I would have no well, interest in in what I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't believe that I could learn anything from that movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I feel like if you're presupposing, if your fundamental process is saying I'm coming from a position of believing in this thing, yeah then I would be less... I mean, I don't know that I would feel that I could get anything from that. I might be shocked at some of, like... You know, you'll hear, like, a parable, or you'll hear, you'll hear something that elucidates a point that you go, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. But then when you try to connect it to this other thing and this way of life and all that's I mean, you know, the, like, there's no better way to lose my interest in an argument than to say, well, the Bible says that, that. you know, yeah. I, I, that means you got nothing at that yeah. point. Well, they had... There's, there's one of the... One of the speakers is a... Was raised Muslim... And teaches Catholic studies. So this guy, I saw some footage where this guy was like, "Hey, how the hell are you going to teach me Catholic studies or Christian studies, the study of Catholicism and Jesus, if you yourself are Muslim?" Mm -hmm. And she responded with, "I know more historically about any of this than you know. Yeah, all of this stuff that you're saying is opinion. I know facts." about these things so yeah. if you want to debate facts we can debate facts and that's gonna you're gonna lose terribly and get shitted on mm -hmm. so i don't know I, I i think that i think i i'm learning to have more space especially in art especially if you do anything art related you have to have space you should have space mm -hmm. for other people's opinions because at some point your opinion isn't going to be the only one that matters yeah if you really are doing art the way it should be done, if you really are, if you're practicing it the way it should be done, your opinion shouldn't be the only opinion that you take into. But you sort of almost have to make stuff with the attitude that you might, you know, other people oh, might yeah. be wrong. But yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Like, I think, yeah, once it's out there. Once it's out there. I mean, if somebody has some feedback, I mean, I'm not going to listen to everything. I do stand up. I get the most immediate feedback. Once I get off the stage, somebody's like, hey, man, that was funny. But when you talked about dicks, maybe you should say black dicks instead of regular dicks. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the type great of... That's criticism. I'm it's telling you, man. Criticism. Like, that's how weird... That's how... It's so immediate that I, I honestly can say that I, I don't take all that well. But I'm learning to have more space... For black dicks in your comedy. For black dicks in my comedy. Well, I'm going to tell you guys, I allow space for your opinions on this podcast as <laughs> Thanks, well. Man. I'm allowing that space in my space. Yeah. And our space together, it kind of merges. Yeah. It becomes a new kind of space. Yeah, definitely, man. This was... I'm glad we talked about this. <laughs> now turn to page 347 in your hymnals. <laughs> we'll be singing the first and the third stanza. <laughs> Jesus is real. Uh, on two. Uh, one, two. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. I, I think it's worth seeing, though. Let's check it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. We went on uh, a spiel. Was that what? Well, no, we got, there was some catching up to do. I, what's odd is there wasn't really a single big movie in, in the no. batch of movies. that. Well, I guess Snowpiercer is a pretty big movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess... But as far as it goes, not not a lot of uh, big summer fair in, mm -hmm. in that chunk we just we just talked about. Steve, did, I know you saw one more movie. I don't know if you wanted to say anything about the Le Purge. Le Purge. Le Purge. The oh. sequel to the Purge is that the, was that what they're calling it? The sequel to the Purge. That's the official title. The yeah. sequel to the Purge. Uh, yeah, I saw an early screening of that. That comes out next week. Um, I, I liked it. I mean, I, so I liked the Purge. Ethan Hawke and Lena. Hale, Lena 
what's her last name? I think it's Heedy. Heedy. I always say I think I always say Heedley. Because yeah. um, there is another actress name. I think there's another actress named Lena Headley. Headley. Okay, that's I always mix it up. Yeah. Regardless, sequel to the Purge. We should have worked that out before. We... Um, yeah. I, I like that film. That was a movie that came out last year. Made a lot of money on a really small budget, and somebody says, "Let's make another." Obviously, no brainer. Is it the same people behind it? Yes. Yes. And uh, that's a quick turnaround. Yes, it is, and it's 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 much bigger, and I think in in a good way. Not much, not so much so in a big huge budget. Like they didn't go all out with it. It just gives you more exposure where this was like kind of like a snapshot of a home, mm -hmm. the first one, the the household and, and how well they were dealing with the purge. This is a bigger scale. It gives you a snapshot of the city um, and uh, how people prepare, how people cope, how people purge. Um, and Frank Grillo is in it, who I think is going to be pretty big someday. I don't know when that day is, Yeah. but he's been slowly popping up more and more in movies. And there's at least like three or four scenes in this movie where it is straight up hero shot. Mm -hmm. Like... People are like, oh, that guy is fucking awesome. And mm -hmm. there's, there's one scene specifically where I even truly felt that way. I don't and know his character name in the in the Marvel movies, but he... he, he it, doesn't he become Crossbones? Isn't that I what guess that's what, that's what they're going for. Yeah. But yeah, he was he had a, you know, he was very recognizable in, in Winter Soldier. In Winter Soldier. Um, this year, so. and, I, and really everybody else in it's pretty... Uh, really with a name like Frank Grillo, how could you not? I know, it's like a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. The only other person I really recognize from this movie is... Uh, Matt Sorensen from Friday Night Lights. I don't know his actual name, but uh, he was in Devil's Due. But anyway, back to this film. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, my issues with the first film were that it kind of fell apart in the third act. Really interesting idea. I feel like everybody can at least acknowledge that with this film. Yeah. Not even really a horror movie. It's, I guess, more of like a thriller, suspense-y kind of film. Like, a lot of people didn't want to see it because it's horror, but it's not really to me. It falls in there because of the concept. Um, and some of the stuff is pretty gruesome and, and how people purge and, and what they do and, and it kind of shines a lot of light on how vicious people are and, you know, in a world in the future where, you know, this, this event happens to allow 364 of the days to be crime free and perfect and we're all living happily ever after. It's a really interesting idea. I thought it was really cool. Um, the first film except for that last, the way that film wrapped up. But this movie actually is a lot more linear. I think it does a really good job of sticking with the, the cast of characters that you kind of are introduced to in the trailer, each coming from a different perspective, hiding from the purge, possibly wanting to participate in the purge, mm -hmm. uh, but being pulled in directions, um, mothers, daughters, husbands, wives. It just a lot of, it's a nice little like just mix. It's a melting pot of how people, you know, would, would deal. Um, and I think the idea that it's in the city is really interesting too because it, it just it, it feels a lot more even though the city's huge it feels just as constricted and like claustrophobic at times as you would in a house where you only have a bedroom to run to you know you get you hit the you hit the alley and and they did a really nice job of making it feel um, like you don't really have a lot of places to go because mm. so many people are out yeah doing this you know which is cool I think opening up the world and showing how big the purge is and there's a little bit of backstory in the beginning of the film, like kind of telling you a little more about how it came up and how successful it is or is not. And the idea that there are people that don't agree with it. I mean, that's a really interesting part of this movie. It gets kind of like cheesy towards the end with that whole element of like a revolt against it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's an interesting concept. And uh, I think all in all, it's a lot like from front to back, it's a it's more solid than the first one. Mm. The idea, because you've already seen it, is not as fresh, but... It's just an interesting take on seeing how far people go to, you know, 
to get their redemption mm -hmm. or to take their revenge or just to hide. I mean, it's, it, it goes through a, a bunch of different um, levels of, um, you know, human emo emotions in, in, in this genre world. It's not like it's some Oscar, you know, it, it, you know what I mean? It's like it's in scope with what you'd expect from a genre film like that. Yeah. But I think they succeed a lot more in this one than they did in the first, and I think uh, I think well, people, that approach sounds more interesting. I think. think a lot of people are going to be into it, and the audience I saw it with loved it. I mean, there was clapping during the film, which is is a rare thing in a, an advanced screening audience, because uh, I don't think they're as like geared up to see it, even though they're seeing it beforehand, and it's mm. usually complimentary. Mm -hmm. People going to pay for a movie on opening night sometimes are more into a movie, um, but people were clapping in this movie, reacting at the right spots. Like I said, there is some cheese here and there, but I think that's maybe just a side product of, of some of the genre itself. Right. But my takeaway absolutely is is uh, Frank Grillo. I mean, I was really impressed. I mean, he is the star of the movie, but it's balanced enough that he doesn't, like, steal it in any way. Right, right, right. But definitely a couple scenes where you're like, this guy needs to either... He needs to be, like, an action star. Like, he needs to have a franchise. He needs mm -hmm. something because he's rough-looking... He's got the cool, like, slick back hair. I mean, there was a few moments in this movie where, even though a lot of people criticize the way the Punisher's been handled in, in movie adaptations, like, I could totally feel like he would be a Punisher, you know? Yeah. Like, if he, if he got a franchise like that, or in that realm of, like, just like, just like a revenge, you know, like, action, something cool like that. I don't yeah, he know. almost seems like an action star from, from like, in the classic sense yes, of, like, an action star. Like, there's something kind of tan and shiny and... <laughs> Like you said, kind of rough about him. Like, like almost like Charlie Bronson or something about him. He he doesn't seem as like like every guy as Bronson was, but like something about him is like it's like simmering below the surface, yeah. and you know it's like he could totally he can totally handle this situation. There's no chance you're gonna like take one over on him, but it's it's unassuming in, in some ways. Like the, the Bronson thing is perfect because I was just trying to say he's like. It's like you didn't see him or hear of him, and then when you first saw him, he was forty. Yes, yes. No, I mean that's it. I mean, he, like, there's he, no he's, young Frank Grillo in my mind. I don't remember seeing him. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe he probably yeah, did. Yeah, he popped up here, but and there, you know what I'm saying? But like, not in a in, in a part where you 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 really pay attention yeah. to him. And it, maybe that's maybe that's a smart move. I mean, this is a big part for him, and like mm -hmm. you said, like he was really good in Winter Soldier and the little bits that he had. And he's and you'll know him from other movies. Like he's right. popped up in other movies. What was the film that came out this year? I think we all saw it. It was one with Jason Bateman. It almost was like Crash with the multiple storylines. Uh, what was it? It was called... Um, Alexander Sarsgaard was in it. Disconnect. He was in that. Oh, yeah. yeah. The yeah, father yeah. Of, the little, of the younger kid. Holy shit. Um, solid in that movie too, mm -hmm. I thought. Um, but he's my takeaway for, for The Purge Anarchy. I'd say check it out. If you like The Purge, you will absolutely like this one. Well, I, was, sure. not, I was not that interested in The Purge because it's, I was not interested in the fact that it sounded like a home invasion... It's like, okay, maybe it was a good one, I don't know. But this concept sounds much more like what I had in mind when they when I heard the concept behind the first one. I was like, oh, that'd be crazy to see everything that goes on on that night. Yeah. But, like, it's... Le you know what I mean? I like yeah. the idea of making it more about the world and making it more... It sounds like more of an ensemble... Yeah, piece. and that's what it is. Like, the scope. You get, you, you get a scope of, like... You know, the first one, you have this household, and you see some of, like, the neighborhood and, like, the family's interactions and how they are struggling with one another and they felt about it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, with this one, you get you get the scope of the city. You get the scope of a world in that future, not so distant future, where people have most people have bought into this idea, right? You know, of this this one night, this twelve hours, and it's 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 really I don't know. I find it really interesting, really really fucking scary because I mean, it doesn't seem like like some people would be like, I'm down, 
You know, which which worries me about some of the people. That know. Yeah. Well, I remember but, when I saw Fight Club. I had that brief feeling yeah. when I was I went it was in the bathroom afterwards, and I was like, "Is this guy next to me gonna just start like beating the shit out of you?" Or like, am I gonna have to start beating him? <laughs> order, the whole point of that movie, you know, in order to, to to live, you have to fight. And I was thinking like, because I felt like that movie had like this revolutionary spirit that I thought, oh, if that takes off, I'm not gonna like that world that we're living in. <laughs> yeah. And of course, it's silly. You know, five minutes later, I was like, no, this is this movie's He's you just know, peeing. It's just a movie. There's, <laughs> there's not gonna be fight clubs everywhere. But that that purge concept is kind of like uh, what's the uh, modest proposals yeah. the Jonathan Swift piece where he you know he proposes the solution to hunger is for the for the poor to eat their children. Yeah. And it's like it's 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 that whole idea of taking a t- uh, taking extreme solution to a problem and sort of de- demonstrating. Um, you know, season three of The Wire with Hamsterdam is yeah, another one where yeah. you take sort of a, a heightened idea and you put it into action and kind of see how it plays out. I think yeah. that that's a fascinating concept. So yeah, I agree. Very scary. Yeah, and I don't mean to oversell it because it is it is still it still has its place, you know. Right. And I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. I just was I was pretty impressed by like how they opened it up and they let it air out a little bit. And you see, and it's really creepy too because like you almost you twenty thirty minutes of the movie you start to see a hierarchy of people mm-hmm. as they're purging. You know, there's bottom feeders still. This whole idea is like, you start to catch on to why the government maybe wants to have this purge. You know, what the intent is outside of allowing people to get their emotions out. And even inside of the people that are purging, there's a hierarchy of people that know they're not going to really be able to take advantage of an evening like this. So they almost like, they like work for the people that are higher up, you know, Mm. and like are purging like hardcore and they scavenge all these people. It's it's disturbing. It's every time it's you say creepy. purging, I picture people inducing vomit. <laughs> is, that, is there a lot of that in the film? <laughs> uh, I don't know. If there's any vomit actually. It's vomit-free film. Oh. Um, but yeah, check it out. I, like I said, if you like the first one, there's no reason that you wouldn't like it. And even if you didn't like the first film, um, I think this movie has a little more to offer in terms of the idea of what this purge is. It's 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 creepy and it's it's interesting. Cool. It comes out next week, so. It's all movies. That's all I got. That's all I got. Spent. That's it. Cool. Yeah, I think that's it. Episode one fourteen. <laughs> wow. Done and done. We, have, we talked about a lot of we shit. Have never, lot we have never movies. petered out. God, everything I say now, <laughs> I'm drained. <laughs> but no, I don't think we've ever petered out quite that dramatically. We're just like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Do we just end it <laughs> yeah. there, or do we try to do we try to like end on an up note? What's what's your latest joke, Ronald? I know you're going to do some stand up uh, later um, tonight. What's your what's your latest what's your newest material? I don't know. What's I think I was gonna talk about how being being in my thirties is not not as big of a deal as I thought and I'm still always gonna be one disappointment away from sitting Indian style and crying. <laughs> I went to Royal Farms and they didn't have uh, fries. Mm-hmm. And I literally was going to get down Indian style and start crying. I really wanted some fries, man. So that's that's my joke. Of course, with a lot more profanity. Yeah. And you're going to switch all the dicks to black dicks. Switch all the dicks to black dicks. All right. Lots um, of black dicks in this joke. Yeah. So Oddly enough, dicks. in Stranger by the Lake, not a single black dick. Not a single black dick. And the least intimidating police officer <laughs> yeah. or inspector. <laughs> Of all time. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't help that his French was also like, like he sounded like a big nerd. Yeah. With big nerdy glasses. Which again, it may have been part of the point. <laughs> yeah. Well, Steve, you going to be hanging out down by the lake tomorrow? Um, Maybe. It depends what the weather's like. Mm. Yeah, it's nice out. I might <laughs> see what I can find. <laughs> see some flaccid penises. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's all. <laughs> got nothing else. All right, guys. Well, uh, on that note, and uh, as always, you've made us gay. This time. <laughs> this time is really this time good. We got me this time. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.